Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Rich in Grace series, which walks through the book of Ephesians, discovering the incredible riches that we have in Christ. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. I started a brand new series called Rich in Grace. And I don't know if the theme this year by grace has been uh, maybe on your mind and your heart, but um, it's been something, of course, was on my mind for a long time. And I love the idea by grace, by God's strength that we're saved, unmerited favor. But then it's also God's unmerited favor that gives us strength for every day. And uh, let me ask you this question and be honest. How many of you be honest today and say, Pastor, I know I need God's strength every week? And all of us, huh? And our hand would go up, God, there's some things that I go through that I just don't understand. I was listening to one of my friend's uh, services this morning, and his, one of his assistants got up and, and read their scripture and said, you know what, every one of us had had times of brokenness and times when we needed God just to step in. And uh, really, the truth is that that's probably more often than we'd want to admit. And that's where God's grace comes in. And God's grace that says, as he wrote to Paul, my grace, my strength is sufficient for you. Because in weakness, that's when I show my strength. And in your weakness is when God shows strength. And so our theme, by grace, is what we've been, what we started with at the beginning of the year. And now we're getting in this series in the book of Ephesians. I believe the book of Ephesians has a couple of great uh, emphases, emphases, emphases. Emphasize, emphasis. It has great emphasis, no plural. We'll just say emphasis. Uh, it puts great emphasis on the fact that we're in Christ. But one of the biggest blessings of being in Christ is the riches that are in Christ. And today and this whole, this series that we're talking about is the, the fact of being rich in grace. Let me tell you just a simple thought. God's strength in your life and my life will never run empty. This morning I got in the car, I got in my truck and I started it up and I heard this dinging noise that I haven't heard for a while. And I was like, what is that? What's going on? Am I, is this, this going to blow up? You know, I'm, I didn't know what was happening, this dinging noise. And then I thought, oh, that's the low fuel noise. And I looked down, and sure enough, low fuel. And I'm like, man, I'm going to run out of gas going to church today. And so I stopped, and I got gas. You know what? Listen, in your life and in my life, think about it. It's a wonderful thought. You're never going to hear a dinging noise that God's grace is running out. You're never going to hear it. It's never going to say, low on grace. God is rich in grace. And to portray that to the believers at Ephesus, if you were here and have been here in our series, uh, of course, Paul wrote to the believers at Ephesus. In this place, Ephesus, uh, a great metropolitan area, um, of course, probably uh, you, would have, you would have Corinth would be one of the leading areas. You would have Rome. And then you would have cities like Ephesus and Thessalonica that would be kind of those go-to cities that people would want to travel to. Ephesus, known uh, for the goddess Diana, known for that false worship. And Paul would travel there for a couple of times. But the first time, he would be there about three, or three to five days. The second time, Paul would be there for uh, a number of years and ministering to the people and reaching the people. And God would use Paul in a great way, in Ephesus. And one of the things that, that God would use Paul to do in Ephesus was to reach people and start an awesome church. You go and you read about the book of Ephesians. Paul writes to them a number of things that he praised God for in their lives. But when Paul wrote this book, this book of Ephesians, back to them, he wanted them to understand, hey, in Christ, you have a lot of new things. In Christ, you are rich in grace. And that's the theme of the first three chapters of just the grace of God. And to, to start, Paul gave them what we looked at two weeks ago. Paul wrote to them, hey, I want to tell you what God thinks about you. I want to show you what God thinks about you. Well, what does God think about us? Well, number one... I am adored by God. Paul wrote to them, hey, listen, you are valuable to God. I am adored by God. Number two, I am adopted by God. Hey, there's, there's a beautiful thing, and we're gonna see it even more today about being adopted by God. Because 
The Bible says that when we receive Christ, John 3, we're born into the family of God, but then we're also given the spirit of adoption. Well, what comes with the spirit of adoption? An immediate opportunity to have access to inheritance. We're going to talk more about that this morning. And then that third thought that Paul gave us last week or two weeks ago is that I'm accepted by God. I don't know if your flesh and your mind ever lie to you like mine does to me. You ever have those times when you pillow your head at night and you think, how could God love me after I said that to them? How could God love me after I thought that about them? How could God, anybody ever thought that? You know what? The, here's what Paul wrote in verse number six of Ephesians chapter one. You are accepted in the beloved. Hey, because of Jesus Christ, you are accepted by God. This morning we come to this thought, not what does God think about you, but what does God give to you? What does God give to you? How many of you, you uh, have, when you maybe turned 18 or 19 years old, uh, you moved out of the house right away? How many of you did that? All right, good number of folks moved out. How many of you went to college? You went to college right away? Okay, a handful of people went to college. I graduated high school at 18, and uh, man, three month, two months later, I was packed up, and I was on my way to college in Oklahoma City, and I remember being at college, and I, you know, you're excited about college, you're excited about the newness. Of course, I was going to Bible college, so I knew some people there and all of that, but after about a month and a half of being at college, something takes place. You get what they call homesick. Now, some of you are like, I didn't get homesick, man. You didn't grow up with my parents. Well, I'm sorry. I got homesick. And I remember calling my parents, and I wasn't like, I just want to quit. I was like, I just want to come home. Like, can I come home and still do college? Can I come home and still get some sort of a degree? And I remember about a month in, and I was going through this homesick, homesickness, and I remember that I went to the, my, my post office box at the college, and I opened up my post office box, and it had a little note in there that said I needed to go to the administrative office because there was a package how many of you ever got a care package from somebody? And if you've never got a care package, I can't explain to you the excitement of a care package, especially when you're a homesick college student. I remember being in, the, in college and getting that note and going immediately to the administrator's office and knocking on the door and saying, hey, I have a package here. And, oh yeah, there's a package for Dennis Fountain. And I get this package. And I remember going back to my room and opening that package up and looking inside. And inside of that package, uh, you know, number one, there was probably a bunch of packing peanuts. But you start clearing out the packing peanuts, and then I'd pull out a, a new shirt. Oh, man, mom sent me a new shirt. Pull that shirt out. Man, it's so cool. I set it to the side. And then every care package for a college student has to have the essentials. Top ramen. I pull out some top ramen, man, three or four or five packages of top ramen in, in all of its healthy glory. And then a, a bag of peanut butter Captain Crunch. Oh, listen, that'll change your life in that dorm room. Pull that out. And at the bottom, there's some Reese's, some Jolly Ranchers, some mints that my dad found in his pocket and he threw in that box right at the last second. Man, there'd be some, there'd be, be some, some canned ravioli in there and some boxes of macaroni and cheese. And I remember just pulling, I mean, just keep going. And I get to the bottom of that box and at the very bottom, there'd be a letter. I open that letter up and it'd be from my mom or my dad and it'd just say, hey, we're proud of you. Here's $20. There'd be some money in that letter. Man, hey, for a college student, a care package from home, especially when you're homesick, is just awesome. There's some great things in there. This morning, what I want us to do is I want us to open up a care package. Inside of that care package from my parents, there would be things that I would be able to use immediately, things that I'd be able to use down the road, but really it was just a care package that that letter summed it up. Hey, I love you. 
I'm proud of you. I want to help you. Here's some money. Here's some food. Here's some clothing. This is going to help you. As we come to our next part in our study, I believe that Paul is kind of showing to the believers at Ephesus and to us a care package from the Lord. Because sometimes we can get homesick. If you've known the Lord for any length of time, you probably had a day when you're thinking, man, Lord, heaven sure does look sweet right now. Hey, Lord, I sure would like to, you know, I sure would like to quit on this whole life education thing and just come on home. But you know what? It's not time yet. But God, even before it's our time to be home, God's given a care package. And this morning, there's four things in the care package from the Lord that God gives us. He gives to every one of us who belong to him. And I know that if we could walk remembering these things, it'll help us as we go through this journey that we call life. Would you stand with me? Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one today. And I want us to look at verse number five down through verse number 14. Ephesians chapter one, And uh, verse number five, all the way down through verse number 14, Paul writes this, having predestined predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Hey, listen, when you and I receive Jesus Christ as our savior, God gives us a care package. He gives us a number of things that we need to realize we have as an inheritance in Christ. Did you notice as we went through that, the phrase, it said it four times, in whom? Did you read that through through there, in whom? It started in verse number seven, in whom? It continues in verse, I think, verse number nine, and then verse 11, and verse number 13, in whom? Hey, in Jesus Christ, we are given some amazing tools for this life, and we're given some amazing things that are inside that care package. And so today, we're going to open that up, see what's in there to help us for this week. I'd like to start with a word of prayer. If you would, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you take just a second and would you ask God to speak to your heart this morning? Would you ask God to help you to hear from him today? Would you ask God to show you what he's given to you? Dear Lord, we come before you and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your love and your care for us and... Father, we just want to pray and bow before you. We want to ask you that you would speak to us today. We want to ask you that you'd help us. I want to pray, Lord, that as we go through the service, that your Holy Spirit would use your word to give us exactly what we need. I pray that you'd help my words today not to be uh, um, mine, but to be yours. I pray that you would just use everything I speak, my actions, Lord, everything, God, that it would be honoring and glorifying to you and that it would convey the truth of your word to each of us. And Father, we love you. Thank you for your love. And we pray that you'd speak to us now. If there's anyone that's with us today, whether they be in person or online, and they don't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and trust in you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. 
Last week, we discovered what God thinks about us. Today, I want us to discover what does God give to us? When we receive Jesus Christ, in Christ is this care package, a number of things. And of course, Ephesians chapter 1 doesn't contain it all, but Ephesians chapter 1 names four things that God gives to us. And so my question that I want us to answer today is, as a child of God, what does God give to me? What does God give to you when you received Jesus into your life? What are some things that become yours? I want you to notice, first of all, first of all today, God, he gives you forgiveness. God gives you forgiveness. If we reached into the care package this morning, we would see this idea of forgiveness, God giving to us forgiveness. Notice, if you will, verse number seven. Go to verse number seven and we read this. In whom, speaking about Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God's grace, his unmerited favor, runs so deep that whoever receives Jesus into their life becomes a recipient of redemption. Well, what does redemption mean? The word redemption or redeem, it means to ransom in full, to purchase and set free by paying a price or to buy back. This would have been, uh, this, this word redemption, this Greek word that's used here would have been a very common word for those that Paul is writing to. At this time, it's stated in Roman history that there probably would have been around 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. Unfortunately, those slaves, they they were bought and sold like furniture, not people. But someone could purchase their own freedom or they could purchase the freedom of someone else. Someone could free a slave by buying them and simply saying, you're free. And I go and I get a stamp and I get a seal that states that you are free. Or I could obtain my own freedom. And we see that in the book of Acts. Those saying, uh, by by a great sum of money, I obtained my freedom. And Paul says, but I was born free. Well, what does that mean? I obtained my, they, they redeemed themselves. They bought themselves out of that slavery. But what Paul writes to these believers is that when you trust Christ in him, you have redemption. We're redeemed. Well, what, are we, what are we as uh, mankind, what are we redeemed from? Redeemed from what? Well, we need to know that every single one of us, we're born sinners, right? And the Bible says it this way in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 22, the scripture hath concluded all are under sin. That phrase, all are under sin, is we are bound in slavery to sin. We are born sinners. We're born under the bondage of sin. We are servants or slaves of sin. But here's what Paul is writing to them. Here's what Paul is writing to you and to me. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you are redeemed. You are bought out of that bondage of sin. You are bought out of the slavery of sin and you are made free in Christ. Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse number 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. What is Paul writing to them? He's simply saying, hey, when you are born, you are born in bondage under sin, but in Christ, in the care package of Jesus, you and I are given redemption. Well, what does that redemption bring? What does it mean? It means forgiveness. It means forgiveness. We're redeemed from our sin. We are purchased back from our sin. Well, What are we redeemed from? We're redeemed from sin. How are we redeemed? Because of forgiveness. What does forgiveness mean? The word here, it means to carry away. To carry away. Hey, when Jesus died upon the cross, his death, his sacrifice, and his perfect blood carried away our sins. I love that. I always thought that forgiveness just... simply meant what we would all say just to to wash away, to, to remove. But I love the idea of to carry away. The Bible says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 21, he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we, may be, we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, when Jesus died upon the cross, he carried away your sin. 
He took all of your sin and my sin upon himself. I love how the psalmist wrote it, and you know the verse in Psalm 103 and verse number 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions or our sin or our iniquity from us. You know what a good thing is? Once you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, God, he will not judge you for your sins. Did you know that? Did you know that once you receive Christ, God won't judge you for your sins? Why? Because your, your judgment that you and I deserve was poured out upon Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, the, the cup of wrath, that judgment was given and placed completely upon him. And I, I don't know if, if we have become so uh, um, just out of touch in our Christian culture, but there's a lot of Christians today living within America and our, our first world problems that we have and all of the issues, and we don't remember and look at the truth that we are forgiven and we don't deserve it. Like you don't deserve forgiveness from God. I don't deserve forgiveness from God. I don't deserve redemption. I don't deserve to be bought back out of sin. I should pay for my sin by going to a devil's hell. That is what, that, that hell was created for the devil and his demons. But because God is perfect, no human being can spend eternity in heaven. And so the other alternate, the only alternate is hell. And you and I, because of our sin, we deserve judgment. But when Jesus Christ, Took, went onto that cross, he took upon himself all of our sin in order to redeem or to buy back you, in order to forgive you. And you know what he says? Once you receive me, that forgiveness, it is yours completely and forever. Isaiah 53, verse number six, the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The fact of the matter is that Jesus was the only one who could pay for our sin and he did it with his life. And when you receive Christ, you receive forgiveness. When you receive Jesus, you get in the care package that is Christ, complete redemption and complete forgiveness. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness and my sinfulness. He sees his son. He sees the in whom, those two words that you find so much through these first few verses, in Jesus is that forgiveness. And if you're in Christ, when God looks at you, he sees his son. And when he sees his son, he says, forgiven. You don't ever have to account for your sin again. Oh, we will give an account for our stewardship. We'll give an account for how we use this life for God. But if you know Christ as your savior, you will never, ever, ever, ever have to pay for your sin. Jesus did it. Your forgiveness can't come through any other way. Religion cannot forgive. Baptism cannot forgive. Righteousness cannot forgive. Only redemption by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, I think sometimes the reason we lose touch with what forgiveness really means is because we give in to the temptation that really we don't need that much forgiveness. <laughs> You know, you kind of scale it, right? You think, well, when Jesus died on the cross, you know, and his blood poured out, I mean, I, really, really, he, he, he could have just got a paper cut from my sin. Like, he didn't need to go through all that. And I, I'm exaggerating that a little bit, but if we're honest, that's what we think sometimes. Oh, we don't think about the paper cut, we just think this. Well, I'm not that bad. I'm not like them. Well, I'm not a Hitler. I mean, Hitler, he, boy, I, I've met Christians that say, I don't even think Hitler could have got saved ever, even if he wanted to, because he had done so much sin. I don't think Osama bin Laden could ever, and we think of the, our biggest evils that maybe we've seen, or we think of a, a Ted Bundy here in the US, or we think of, of different murderers and things like that, and we think, well, they, they are outside of God's forgiveness. My friend, let me remind you of something that we probably don't wanna hear and don't want to admit, but you're just as much a sinner as an Adolf Hitler. You're just as much a sinner as a Ted Bundy. You're just as much a sinner as a, put a fill in the blank. Well, pastor, I've never done that. Um, let's be reminded of it. And, Dennis, and Pastor Dennis is too. Let me remind you of a scripture. If I've broken one, 
I've broken them all. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of sin is sin before God. And while there are different levels of consequence, we know that there's different levels of consequence for sin. There's not different levels of sin. It's just sin. Well, there's a white lie. No, no, no. Lie. Well, I was just, you know, I was just trying to share with them a prayer request. No, gossip. Well, pastor, if you only knew what they did to me, then you would, no, 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 bitterness. You see what I'm saying this morning? I just want us to understand a lot of sin, but rich in forgiveness. Because you know what God said? I took it all. Hey, so now all that sin has been placed on him. In the care package from God in Jesus Christ, you know what there is for every one of us? Forgiveness, redemption, forgiveness. I love how one man put it. He said this, no written accusation stands against us because our sins have been taken away. Sin made us poor, but grace makes us rich. Hey, we're rich in grace. Why? Because we are rich in Christ. And in Jesus, God gives us forgiveness. What's the second thing that God gives to us as believers? In the passage, I see the second thing being that God gives to us understanding. In the care package from Christ, God gives to us understanding. Oh, where do we see that? Take your Bible and go to verse number eight. God gives understanding, verse number eight of our passage, it says this, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Notice this verse, these two verses, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. The letter of Ephesians has a lot to say to the believers about their new purpose or their new plan with Jesus Christ or in Christ. The plan, though, that God had for his people and that God has for his people is not going to be fully realized until we all get to heaven. But in the Old Testament, it was barely realized. The word mystery, do you see that in verse number eight when it says there's a mystery? The word mystery here, it means a sacred secret once hidden, but now revealed to God's people. Here's what Paul was telling these believers in these three verses, and I don't have time to uh, go through and expound on every verse, but here's the simple thought that Paul was giving to them. He was helping them understand that as believers, you have been brought into God's inner circle. You have been illuminated. Your eyes have been opened up to the mystery that is eternity. And do you see what it says? Go with me. Look at verse number 10. When it says this, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Here's what Paul is giving to them as believers and to you and I. When we trust Christ as Savior, we are able to share in the secret thing or the mystery that one day God will unite everything. One day God will make all things right. One day there is a reconciliation that will take place. You see, ever since sin came into this world, everything has been falling apart. First, man was separated from God, Genesis chapter three. And then man was separated from man, Genesis chapter number four with Cain and Abel. And sin from then on literally just began to rip everything apart. But when a believer comes to know Christ as savior, God, he brings beauty and life out of ashes, out of sin. And what happens is that the believer then looks at, listen, we look at this world through a different lens. Here's what Paul is helping them and helping us understand. Through Christ, God gives understanding. What does he mean by understanding? Believers are able to see past the here and now. 
Believers are able to look to eternity. Believers are able to go through every day understanding, hey, this is not the end. I can look toward the future and understand that one day, verse 10, in that which is to come, God is going to bring everything together and unite everything in Christ. This goes back to us understanding that there's a plan each and every day in the burdens that we carry. You see, God has made known his will to us. What's God's will? God's will in your life is that you and I would walk in a relationship with him. And as we, listen, as we walk in a relationship with God, as we walk in a relationship with God, we're able to look at the challenges that come our way through God's lens. And I wanna say this morning, I believe that this mindset of God's understanding being given to a believer, I think it's a game changer. Ephesians chapter one, verse eight through 10 is Paul's writing to Ephesus, the same thing that he wrote to the believers at Rome in Romans eight twenty eight. It's the same thought. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What does it say in verse number 28? Hey, the believer knows that God is always working. The believer knows that this isn't the end. The believer knows that there is greater things to come. The believer knows that one day it's all gonna be united in Christ. This is Paul's Philippians chapter one and verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, because of Christ, God gives his children understanding. What does that bring? It brings context to life's struggles. It brings purpose to literally everything that we as believers travel through. I can know that God is always working. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number five. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Hey, I had a friend that posted this morning and he posted on, on his uh, Facebook mid this morning or yesterday, I don't know when I saw it, but it just said something to the extent of uh, uh, basically the world's problems are so bad, I wonder if God knows about them. And that, that's basically the context of the post. It was like, if God really knew, then why isn't he stepping in? And this is someone living in America, experiencing the freedoms that we have, but looking, listen, but looking through the lens of political climate. We're, we're gonna stop right here just for a second. <clears throat> if you and I view this world through the lens of political climate, we will never be satisfied. You put a Republican in office, things don't go well. You put a Democrat in office, things don't go well. Why? You say, well, pastor, they're, pla listen, I I'm very political. Everybody know that? We have our All-American Sunday. I stay in touch with our politicians. We do that. But here's what we need to understand. I cannot view this world through a political lens. Why? Because it's just gonna bring dissatisfaction and frustration, and it brings hopelessness to the situation. You can't look at this world through your financial lens. Those of you that were adults in 2008, how'd that work out? 2006, were those years good? Man, we can't look at that. Why? If we look at the world, if we look at our situations through a financial lens, it's going to bring us to discouragement. What is Paul writing? Hey, for the believer, you can look through the lens that says God is working. And even though God may not be working how you think he should work and how I think he should work, I don't know what the way of the spirit is. I don't know what happens immediately after someone dies. And I don't know all of the ins and outs of the who you are and your psyche. And I don't know all of that. I have no clue. 
how a baby forms in the womb. Some of you could sit down and you could probably walk me through medically and, and, and well, here's what takes place and here's the different stages. Great, I would ask you, how does that happen? And you would go, well, I just told you. No, 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 you told me the steps. How does it take place? Well, there's a certain thing called the DNA. and all. Okay, great. How does that happen? Like, explain it to me. And you know, you know, eventually, you know what a person would have to admit? I don't know. Like, it's miraculous. Here's what Solomon's writing, and a great principle for us. Just as you don't know the way of the spirit and the psyche, who people are and life and death, and you don't know how a baby forms, you don't know that God isn't working in the situation that you say he's not working in. Well, how can I, how could I ever get to the place where I, I trust? If you're saved, it's in the care package. It's already yours. Just ask God, God, help me to see things through your view. There is understanding. I can know that this right now, the here and now is not the end, that one day, verse 10, one day I'm gonna be with him in eternity. Hey, aren't you looking forward to heaven? First Thessalonians chapter six, or chapter six, chapter four, it says, I don't know why there's a six there. It says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Hey, there's heaven to look forward to. I can look at this life through the lens of understanding. God gives forgiveness. God gives understanding. Notice thirdly and quickly today, God gives an inheritance. God gives an inheritance. You know what? When I look inside of that care package, I see an inheritance, and it's written about all throughout the book of Ephesians. We heard about it last week with the adoption. This week, we read these words in verse number 11 and verse number 12. In whom, Jesus, also, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. This morning, I just want us to know that because of Christ, believers have been assigned an inheritance. We saw a little bit about this last week when we spoke about adoption, so I won't spend much time on it today, but Paul is simply pointing out the fact that when you receive Christ, you are given an inheritance. Well, what is that inheritance? Well, it's a number of things, but just to be brief this morning, Paul meant, or Peter writes it this way in 1 Peter 3, 1, 3, and 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fades not away, and it is reserved in heaven for you. Hey, there's an inheritance awaiting believers in heaven that we really cannot explain. But there's also an inheritance upon this earth. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. And in our passage, Paul says that this, that this inheritance should provoke the believer to desire to exist for God's glory. Did you know that for the believer, we have a lot to look forward to? I asked a second ago if you're looking forward to heaven. Heaven, you know... I remember growing up, people, as they aged, people say, you know, pastor, or they would say to me as a young dentist, little dentist, they'd say, heaven just gets sweeter as you get older. How true that is, isn't it? And I think about loved ones. I'm not gonna try to talk on that and make us all cry today. We're not going down that road. Man, I'm looking forward to the loved ones and all that has been lost in this life, but the Bible has so much more to look forward to. I don't have the verses on the screen. I just want you to listen. I just want you to listen to it. I want you to listen to what the Bible says a little bit about heaven. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he, God, he will dwell with them. They shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. 
And God in heaven shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne, he said, behold, I make all things new. And God said to John, write these things for these are, for these words are true and faithful. And I saw a temple therein for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all by day, for there shall be no more night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Really, we could go on and on talking about the beauty of heaven and what's there and the, 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 just the immense inheritance that is for us. But if we're not careful, one man said it this way, we can become so heavenly focused that we're of no earthly good. There's a lot to look forward to in heaven and our inheritance, but I want to tell you today that our inheritance started when you received Christ. You see, our inheritance isn't in something that which is to come. Your inheritance already is. Part of your inheritance that you received in the Lord is what we just read in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 2. You inherited access to God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16, let us, come bold, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hey, listen, when you got saved, one of your inheritance, one, something that God brought into you in the care package was access to God day or night for anything. If you weren't here last week and you missed the message or if you were in kids ministry or wherever and you missed last week's message by Pastor Prater about Ephesians in the book of Ephesians of asking God big, big things, go back and listen to it. Because as Christians, we make God really small. We make God really, really small. And the fact is, when you got saved, God said, I give you access to me. When you got saved, God said, hey, you can come to me anytime. You need grace, come and ask me. You need wisdom, come and ask me. You're going through a situation you can't handle, hey, come and ask me and I will guide you into all truth. That's one of the things about the Holy Spirit we're gonna see in just a second. Hey, you and I have been given a lot, that inheritance that we look forward to, but it started when you got saved. You know what else is part of that inheritance? Joy. John 15, 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might, re might remain in you and that your joy might be full. There's so much more that we could say. It's all just wrapped up in Christ, all of our inheritance. Hey, that care package, it comes. Here's what God gives to you. God gives you forgiveness. Aren't you thankful to be forgiven? God gives you understanding. Now you can look through the lens of eternity, not the lens of the here and now. God gives you an inheritance. And lastly today, God gives you the Holy Spirit. God gives you the Holy Spirit. I love this thought of God giving us the Holy Spirit because I believe that the Holy Spirit is part of that inheritance. Here's the verse excuse me, verse 13 and 14, it says this, in whom ye also trusted. After that, ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. When a person hears the word of God and puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have God's seal placed upon our life. We re immediately receive the Holy Spirit into our life. And that phrase, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, it signifies a number of things, but four very quickly that we can look at. It signifies a finished transaction. Even today, when important legal documents are processed, they are stamped with an official seal to signify that the transaction is complete. It signifies or implies ownership. God has put his seal upon you because you have been purchased by him. Your life is now hid in Christ. 
The seal means you've been purchased. It implies ownership. It means security and protection. Hey, you as a believer and myself as a believer, we belong to God and we are protected by him and the Holy Spirit abides in us. And God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It implies the mark of authenticity. Just as a signature on a letter attests to it being authentic and the genuineness of that person written by whoever is signing it, so the presence of the Holy Spirit signifies the authentic relationship that you and I have through Jesus with God. But in verse number 14, we also see the next word, which is the word earnest. And this isn't talking about that guy that makes all those movies. It's spelled differently. That's a bad joke, wasn't it? An earnest. What is an earnest? An earnest is a down payment. It's a guarantee that the final purchase of some commodity or piece of property, and today you and I, we will hear maybe a real estate agent or someone talk about an earnest money that has been put down. Hey, when you got saved, the Holy Spirit, this is so cool, the Holy Spirit is God's installment into your life saying, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself. The purchase will be complete. You see, when you got saved, you were saved from the penalty of sin, but we still live in the presence of sin. We still have the flesh that we deal with in this life, but one day we, our salvation will be complete because we will be free from the presence of sin and the power of sin and, and the penalty of sin, all of them gone and eradicated because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in you is God's earnest. It is God's uh, uh, seal in your life saying, hey, you belong to me and one day you will be with me in eternity. But God did not just give us the Holy Spirit to say, one day I'm gonna come back and get you. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that you and I would have a comforter. John 16, seven, nevertheless, I tell you a truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Hey, I am thankful today for the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life as a comforter. And God comforts and encourages me through his Holy Spirit. I'm glad to have the Holy Spirit, my comforter, but also the comforter as a guide. John 16, 13, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. Hey, the Holy Spirit in your life is given to you and I for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons I love is just the fact that he wants to guide us. God didn't just give you the Holy Spirit as an earnest. God gave you the Holy Spirit for everyday Christian life. He gave you the Holy Spirit for every day. God will guide you, lead you, comfort you, and help you through his Holy Spirit. I want to ask you a question today, and we'll be done. How silly would it be if I was at college? I'm like homesick. I want to, be, want to be with my family. I get this care package. I take it up to my dorm room. I open it up. I dig all through it. I see the shirt. My shirt's all wrinkled and tattered and torn, missing a couple buttons. I look and I see the top ramen. Man, I sure am hungry. Probably not the healthiest thing, but man, I'm sure I'm hungry. I see the Reese's that are in there. I see the Captain Crunch. I see the canned food, and I think, man, all that stuff, oh, I sure could use it. How silly would it be for me to know what's inside the box but never utilize it? That'd be, that'd be crazy. But here's my point. There's a lot of Christians today. They know they're forgiven. They know that God said, I put it as far as the east is from the west. But they let the devil lie to them. And they let the devil say he couldn't possibly forgive that. They let the devil say into their life, you aren't worthy of forgiveness. They let the devil say, you have no value. And they let the devil talk down the forgiveness that they've been given. They know it's inside the box, but they just look at it. There's a lot of believers, they, they know that this isn't the end, but they look at life through the lens of politics. 
They look at it through the lens of their 401k. They look at it through the lens of health. They look at it through the lens of trial. And they miss looking at it through the lens of God's understanding that this is not the end. They know it, but they leave it in the box. There's others, they know about their inheritance. Oh, and we look forward to heaven. But they forget that inheritance matters now. I have access to God now. I have a relationship with God now. They know it, but they leave it in the box. They never, they never open it up. They, they, they know it's there, but they never take it out and say, God, help me today. God, I want to spend time with you. Then you're given the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, he lives within us. All of this, it's already ours. The Holy Spirit is yours. He wants to guide you. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to direct your decisions. God wants to work in your life through the power of his Holy Spirit. We know that, but too many of us, we leave it in the box. Hey, if I'm a college student and I got that care package, you know what I'm doing? I'm dumping it out on my bed. I'm warming up the Brahmin. I'm sharing it with my friends. Uh, you say, you would? Yeah, man, they're hungry too and they, they're gonna take it anyway. I might as well share it. <laughs> Can I just encourage you today, don't leave the contents in the box. There's a lot of believers, they know God's given them forgiveness, but they, they don't move forward in their walk. Believers who know the big picture, but they constantly wonder why me or why not me. Believers, they know they have an inheritance, but they fail to seek counsel from God. They know they have the Holy Spirit, but they fail to walk with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want us to be challenged with today. Be a believer who not only knows what's in the care package, but take advantage of it. You've been forgiven. Walk in forgiveness. You've been given understanding. See through the lens of his understanding. You've been given an inheritance. Claim it every day. And you've been given the Holy Spirit. Surrender your heart and listen to it. Don't leave the contents in the box. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.